Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Who's been enjoying our series, Going Deeper, Discovering Life and Seeing Prosperity? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I, I thought, like last Sunday, Jason in the morning, Dylan at night, two amazing words that God had placed on their heart, powerful words that he gave last week. And, you know, I want our church to be a church that is a true reflection of God's character and nature. And I believe we're doing that. I believe that when people come to church on a Sunday morning, they should be able to walk out of that place better equipped. I believe that people should be able to walk out of this place changed and impacted because of the Word of God, because of the Word that's been preached. But not only that, because of the time in worship, because you fellowship with other Christians. You know, we're in this together. We're better together. Amen? You know, we say, going deeper, discover life and see prosperity. I want to ask you this morning, what's your life like at this point? This morning I'm going to talk about promises, the promises of God. I want to talk about five promises. First promise is that we will face trials. The Bible promises that we will face trials. That's a good promise. Who's happy about that? But he promises that he will be with us in our trials. But it gets better, church. Not only does he promise that he will be with us in our trials, he'll promise that he'll rescue us from our trials. And not only does he promise that he'll rescue us from our trials, he promises that he will restore us and restore all the things that have been lost through our trials. And then, of course, there's the greatest trial of all, uh, greatest promise, sorry, not trial, <laughs> the greatest promise of all. We know how it ends. Are you happy about that? We know how it ends. As Christians, we, we know how it ends. We know that we're going to spend eternity with God. We know the end of the story. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy about that. I know how my life, I know how it will end. I know that I'm going to be spending eternity with my mum and all those that have gone before me. I know that I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and my Saviour. I know how it will end. But before I talk about the promises of God this morning, I want to lay a foundation, a foundation of grace. Who would like some more grace this morning? See, it's, it's all about God's grace. It has to be about God's grace. It cannot be about us. It's got to be about God's grace. The foundation that we're building has to be about God's grace. It's about who he is. It's about his character and it's about his nature. See, because if it's up to us, if it's relied on our behavior and on what we do, no matter what we do, it will, we will fail. We will not measure up. There will be stuff in our lives 
that we fall short in. We might not have sexual sin as an issue in our lives, but we might have self-centeredness. Amen? We all sin and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And if we think it's about us, if we think it's about religion, if we think it's about our performance, it ain't going to work, church. It's got to be about grace and his, his power, his authority and what he's doing in our lives what he's doing through in us and through us. Amen? It's about God. I stand here this morning. It's not about John. It's about God. It's about Jesus. I want to point every single one of you to Jesus because I know that if we can discover Jesus, we will find the life that he has for us. Yes, we will face trials. But he promises that he'll be with us in the trials. He promises that he'll rescue and restore us from those trials. And he promises that we will have eternity with him. See, the life that we're living today, I started by saying, what sort of life are we living? I know when I was, I was praying to God and I was saying, God, what do you want me to preach on this morning? Because I want to make sure, God, none of me and more of you, you know, I want to make sure, Father God, that I'm preaching what you want me to preach this morning. I remove myself and I want you to tell me what it is you want me to share on this morning. And as I was doing that, I really, God reminded me of somebody that I know very close to me, not here in Bowen, somewhere else. And I don't want to say too much about this person because I want to respect their privacy. But somebody that I know is young, beautiful young person. Got a young child, is a Christian, got a loving husband. By all accounts, looking from the outside in, you would think this beautiful home. And when you stand on the outside, as we often do, and we look at people, you'd think, wow, what a life that person's living. Well, let me tell you, this person is living hell at the moment. Her life is not where she wants it to be. And as I was praying and I was thinking about what word can I give to her, Lord, what is it that you want me to encourage her with? He gave me this to tell her, it's not your fault. And God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. And God's not punishing you. It's not your fault and God's not punishing you. And as I was preparing for the my message this morning, I felt like God said to me, that's the message I want you to tell the church this morning. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. God's not punishing you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's not punishing you. God's not punishing you. <laughs> and he's certainly not punishing you, Winnie, let me tell you. God's grace is great. Amen. Amen. Love you, brother. Like God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. Get it this morning, Leah. God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. Jeremy, God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. Daniel, God's not punishing you. 
It's not your fault. Another, Warren, God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. David, God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. Church, God's not punishing you. It's not your fault. He's in a good mood. I loved what Dylan shared last Sunday night when he's talking about Bill Johnson's church in California. I think it is, reading. He continually reminds his church that God's in a good mood. Church this morning, God's in a good mood. He's in a good mood, Fina. He's in a good mood. It's not your fault. God is not punishing you. I want you to know that whatever you're going through, that sickness, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, no matter what you're facing, maybe you're in a good season, fantastic, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're going through one of the most difficult seasons in your life. Well, guess what? It's not your fault. God's not punishing you. Listen to this. This is laying the foundation of grace for you this morning. Are you enjoying laying the foundation of grace this morning? I am. I'm a builder. I know what happens if you get the foundation wrong. If you get the foundation wrong, you can build a house, but guess what? It'll have cracks in it. And over time, most likely it'll have to be pulled down and rebuilt again. If our Christian walk is not based on grace... Whatever we've built will need to be teared down and rebuilt until it is based on the foundation of grace. It's got to come from there. It cannot come from religion. It cannot be what you and I do. It comes from what God has done. Acts 13, 38 to 39, the New Living Translations. Brothers and sisters, listen. You listening? Just smile at me, wave to make sure I've got your attention and you're all awake. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Thank you, Jesus. I will receive that this morning. Would you receive that this morning with me? Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight Something that the law of Moses could never do. See, it's about Jesus. It's about what he has done. The law of Moses was trying to keep the commandments, trying to keep the law. But it could never work because it's reliant on man and we're faulty. We all sin. We all fall short of the mark. Whether you've worked with, walked with Christ for one day or for some of us a bit longer, we all sin. We all fall short of his glorious standard. It's because of Jesus that we can stand before God knowing that we are right with him. Romans 3, 24 to 25, the New Living Translation, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's not your fault. God's not punishing you. You've been freed from the penalty of your sin. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. 
people are made right with God when they believe in Jesus' sacrifice, his life, shedding his blood. It's not your fault. You're not being punished. Amen? I love the Living Translation version. It says this, Romans 3, 24 to 25. Yet God now, sorry, yet now God declares us not guilty. Turn to your neighbor, not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. You are declared this morning not guilty of offending him, God, if we trust in Jesus Christ, who in his kindness freely takes away our sin. For God sent Christ to take away the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against our sin. Is there not an amen? Is there not an amen? It's gone. The punishment. That thing you did this morning. It's not your fault. God's not going to punish you. Amen. That thing you did yesterday. Come on. God's in a good mood. In his kindness, he's freely taken away our sin. We're found not guilty of offending him when we trust in Christ. He uses the blood of Christ and our faith in Jesus so that we can be saved from his rightful wrath. How cool is that? You know, I don't fully understand or know why we have to go through trials and difficult seasons. But what I do know is this. God God promised that he walk us through the trials with us through our trials. God has promised that he will walk with us through our trials. If we could try and show that video, I'm not sure this is going to work this morning, but I saw this video this week and I thought it was really cool. And it just gives a bit of an illustration about how sometimes when we think we're alone, God's there. Amen? Just Can we try that? It may not work. Thank you. So, just to be, I probably should have given you a little bit of a background. So this this guy was overseas on his overseas on his um, doing his duty as a soldier, and his wife was pregnant with twins, and she got sick, and so she had to have the twins early, and so she's sitting in there holding one of her twins, having no idea that her husband's in the room with her. You know, and it can be like that with us, can't it? We can be facing our greatest trials in life. And we can be thinking, Where, I'm here, I'm on my own. The one that, that I want to be with me, is, it, he's not here. But, that, you know, I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to do it. But guess what? God turns up. You know, how incredible is our God? He's not angry. It's not your fault. He's not punishing you. Amen. Do you know, the Bible is full of promises. It's a bit like a roadmap. I watched another video that somebody sent me this morning, uh, during the week. 
And in that video, this person said the Bible's a bit like a roadmap. And it is a bit like a roadmap. It shows us where we're being and it shows us where we're going. You know, there are very, very many great promises in the Bible, but there is the promise that we will suffer. Life, it happens. We live in a fallen world. You're all familiar with James 1, 2 to 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete in lacking in nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when I face trials. You know, I want, we, all of us want to have a pleasurable life. Yeah? We want, we want life to go well. But we know living this life, we will face trials. But we can know that when we face the trials, God is with us in those trials. We can know that he will rescue us from those trials. And we know that he will restore us from those trials. And we know how it will end. The greatest promise of all. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness, New Living Translation, in his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, what will he do? He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. How cool is that? Go home and learn that Bible verse. That's your homework for this week. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. How amazing is that? When I was going through my most difficult trial of my life, I was given this Bible verse, and it said, The Lord says this, I will give you back. This is Joel 2.25, New Living Translation. Joel 2.25. The Lord says, I will give back what you lost to the swarming locusts, to the hopping locusts, to the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. God's going to give it back to you this morning. I speak that to you this morning. I, I give that to you this morning. I speak that out. God's going to restore what has been taken to you, taken from you. Amen. Now, you might be sitting there today thinking, well, that's all well and good. For all those others, their life's not in a mess. And I know that it's all well and good for all those others because it's not their fault that they're in the mess. But I know this morning that I'm in a mess and it's my fault. It's my fault. Well, I've got some good news for you. Even if it is your fault, God's still going to rescue you. He's still going to restore you. He's still going to be with you through that trial. And you're still going to know the end result. You're going to know how it'll end. See, that's our God. That's his character and nature. He is in the business of restoring and rescuing. Amen? He is in the business of rescuing and restoring. It's in his character. It's in his nature. Don't believe me then, the greatest rescue, restore story of all surely is sending his son to rescue and restore mankind. That's the greatest expression of God's character, is sending his son to die for you, Andy. Sending you, sending his son for you, Aunt Yvonne. 
What a, what a great rescue and restore story. But it's not just the story, it's the truth. I know from personal experience that I found myself in the most difficult of circumstances and it was my fault. Yet God showed his grace, his undeserving favour and merit on me. And it was my fault. And so if he's done that for me, why wouldn't he do it for you? And see, all I really did was start to believe in God's grace. You know, as I look back over my life, I don't understand anything, but I, I'm sorry, I don't understand everything. But I do understand this, that that difficult trial that I was going through, that was my fault. It was for a period of time and it was for a purpose. So that difficult trial that you may be facing, that you're going through at this very moment, it is for a period of time and it can be used for God's purposes. Amen. Isn't that a good word to hear this morning? It will end. This too shall pass. It's for a period of time and it will end and there is a purpose to it. You know, what I went through has made me the person I am today. If it were not for what had happened to me, my own stupid choices... I would be a different person today. I learned the greatest lesson of all because of my self-inflicted trial. And I'm not sure if I'd had that self-inflicted trial that I truly would have understand or understood God's grace and how it works. See, I did, before I fell and before I walked away from God, I did go to church for years. But the God I believed in was a religious God, a God that you had to appease a God that you had to to work at to get his favour and blessing over your life. And all that caused me to do was be a little bit like the Pharisees, thinking that I'm okay because I go to church and I pray and I do all these things, so I'm okay. But the drunk in the gutter, he's not. God doesn't love him. He loves me. See, the focus was on me. And my performance and about what I was doing. But the very fact that I looked at the drunk in the gutter, I was judging. And it's probably a terrible, well, it's not probably, it is a terrible sin of judging other people. So it was almost like I had to be the drunk in the gutter to realize that God loves everybody. No matter who they are and that we're not to judge other people. See, I didn't know before God's amazing grace, I didn't understand that actually God was in the business of rescuing and restoring. I thought he was in the business of um, judging and punishing. Anybody know that sort of God or has been taught about that sort of God? That he's in the business of judging and punishing? See, I didn't know. See, I used to think that if if I did the right thing, about me if I went to church and I'm telling you church you need to come to church got that tell you know what gotta go to church but I used to think that going to church would somehow earn me favor with God see and I used to think that because I went to church I could I I was probably going to spend eternity in heaven but I just had to watch out because if I 
if I did something wrong, well, then I, my foot, which was in heaven, sort of jumped back out of heaven. And it was this in, out, in, out. Anybody? Anybody being there? Oh, I think I'm going to heaven. Oh, hang on a minute. I know what I did this morning. I'm not going to heaven anymore. See, it's about me. It's about my behavior. It's about what I'm doing. But that's not grace. I didn't understand this. I didn't understand. See, I didn't understand that the Bible promises that we would have trials. Because I used to think that, well, if I do the right thing, I won't have trials. Yeah? Anybody? Oh, if I, if, I, if I pray hard enough, and you should pray hard. But if I pray hard enough, if I go to church, if I set up the chairs, woo, woo, I'm not going to face trials. Anybody? Religion about me. No, it's not. It's God's grace. Yes, set up the chairs in church. Of course you should because you love God and you're his servant. Oh, it's so good yesterday to see everybody here. Thank you so much. Great things happened yesterday. What the greatest thing was all is I was in there painting and we have a morning tea and I thought everybody outside was drunk. They were laughing and carry on. I had to go out and check. I thought Helen had had a few, you know... I had to make sure, you know. And then I could hear Hester. Oh, my goodness, she must really be drinking. Like, how good is that? See, but I didn't understand God's grace. I believed he was in the business of judging and punishing. Sometimes as I look back, I think, and I think about this is serious. Like, sometimes I look back and I think about the pain. The pain that I caused my children and the pain that I caused those closest to me. The pain that I, I still, I am still haunted if I'm perfectly, you know, if, if I, if I want to be really open and honest, I'm still haunted a little bit by my past because of the pain that I caused my mum through my addiction. But I think, you know, in some ways that's not such a bad thing because it keeps me humble and reminds me of God's amazing grace and how great a forgiver he is. But here's the thing, as bad as my past was, I can use it to help others. I want to give people the hope that no matter what trial they're going through, that it will pass, that it will finish. I want people to know that it's not your fault. God is not punishing you. But even if it is your fault, God still wants to restore and rescue you. And, you know, like the amazing thing is, like, I don't deserve what I've got today. A nice car, a beautiful wife, preaching. I don't deserve any of it. It's only by God's grace that I can stand here today. His unmerited and unearned favor is over my life. And I have it because I believe that Jesus died for my sin. It's about believing. What are you believing today? See, God's in the business of restoring and rescuing. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible, and you're all familiar with this story, is the woman caught in the act of adultery. 
And to me, it's a great illustration of the character and the nature of our God. Let me read it to you. John 8, 2 to 11, New Living Translation. But early the next morning, he was back up again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. You know, that's what religion does. That's what I did for years. Because I was insecure, because I didn't feel good about myself, because I wanted to be okay, there was always that thing about, well, I go to church, I pray, I do the right thing, so God loves me. And it was so easy to look at the other person's sin and go, look at that. Look at that. Oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. Anybody with me? See, this is what the Pharisees were like. The religious people, the church of the day. They weren't in the business of rescuing and restoring. They were in the business of punishing and judging. That's what religion does. It causes us to judge. It it causes us to want to punish other people. Is anybody identifying with this this morning? Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote something in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding and he answered. So he stood up and said, all right, but let let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. To me, that is a great picture of the character and the nature of God. Here is this woman. She'd stuffed up. It was her fault. There's no doubting that. There were witnesses. She was in trouble. In fact, she was in so much trouble that she was about to die. Can you just put yourself for one moment in her place? Here she is, standing. Everybody around her knew her sin. Would you like that? How would you feel about that? That you were standing up here and everybody, the the religious people, the church of the day, were pointing to her and going, you sinner. Does that sound familiar? Is anybody getting a picture here? Is that what we're doing, church? Are we putting people here and going, you sinner? We're going to punish and condemn you? But look what Jesus did. He pointed the finger back at the Pharisees and said, if you are without sin, you cast the first stone. I challenge you this morning, is there anybody here that does not sin? 
No, there isn't. So what right do we have to cast stone? Absolutely none. The character and the nature of God is to rescue and restore. So what did Jesus do? He rescued her from certain death. Did you notice that he was in he was there with her in her trial? In that very darkest in the darkest moment of her life, where was Jesus? He was with her. And it's the same for you this morning. When you face those difficult seasons, when you're in those trials, Jesus is there with you. The promise is that you will face trials, but Jesus is there with you. And like the woman caught in the act of adultery, he wants to rescue you from certain death. He wants to stop you from going to hell. Not only does he want to rescue you, he wants to restore. He wants to give back to you all the things that have been taken away through your trial. I can say that this morning with confidence because he's done it for me. And he's going to do it for you. Is that good? I thought it was. So here he is. And here she is. And the, and the church of the day was saying, kill her. And he's saying, okay, if you don't have sin, you, you can cast the first stone. And, of course, they all realized that they did have sin. So they put their stones down and they walked away. And then Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. They're not here anymore. And then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He wanted to restore her life. Amen? See, as Christians, we know how it will end. No matter what our life looks at, like at the moment, if I could have the band up, no matter what our life looks like at the moment, no matter whether we're going through a good season, whether our life is going great, whether our life is going terrible, no matter the season we find ourselves in, we know the ending. We know how it will end. If you think that people have deserted and left you alone, they probably have. The, the amazing apostle, the apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy in his letter. At my first de- defense, no one came to my support. Paul, can you believe that? No, everybody, everyone had deserted him. May it not be held against him. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. What did he do? He stood beside Paul and gave him strength. So that through the message, through the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. As I was delivered from the lion's mouth, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely, here we go, safely into his heavenly kingdom. See, Paul knew how it was going to end. Even though everybody had deserted him, he knew that God was with him in his trial and he knew how it was going to end. Even when we think we're alone, God is with us. What sort of life are you living this morning, church? Has it been a good week, a bad week? I don't know. But I want to encourage you, discover Jesus Discover the true character and nature of our God. 
We are in new covenant times. We're going to sing Cornerstone. You know, weak make strong in the Saviour's love. My hope is built on Christ. Cornerstone, weak make strong in the Saviour's love. I don't know about you, but I need God. I need Jesus every day. I need him. I'm so glad and, and, and grateful to our God that all the punishment, all the wrath, everything has been taken away because of Jesus, because of what I believe and because of what you believe. We can stand before him righteous. There's a line in the song, isn't there, that says, I stand before the throne, righteous. That's you this morning. If you're a believer this morning, if you believe that you, in Jesus, you're standing before his throne this morning and you're right with him. How cool is that? If you're facing your trial this morning as we sing that song, I want to encourage you to come forward. We're just going to pray for you quickly. We're going to believe that that through this trial, it, we're going to believe this morning that it's just for a moment. It's just for a season. And that you will come through it. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.